This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. This week, you can listen to this sneak peek of a powerful, provocative new audiobook that's sure to have you pressing play in every spare moment you have. The Enemy Beside Me by Naomi Reagan, read by Gina Murray. In her mind, the pendulum often swung up and back, sometimes going so far as to embrace her mother's view that the only thing her father's work in the campaign had accomplished was to destroy yet another Jewish family, his own. But whenever that idea overwhelmed her, she remembered how her father had answered her when she'd confronted him with such a bitter assessment. Wordlessly, he'd handed her a brown manila envelope. Read it, was all he'd said. She had, and it had changed everything. Start listening to The Enemy Beside Me by Naomi Reagan now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today my guest is Babuti Jane, author of Our Best Intentions, a gripping debut about an immigrant family that gets caught in the middle of a criminal investigation, and it's perfect for readers of Everything I Never Told You. Babuti Jane lives with her husband and daughter in Johannesburg, South Africa, where she works in international development. She began her career as a corporate lawyer in New York. She holds degrees from Yale and Harvard Law School. She grew up in Guilford, Connecticut, and Our Best Intentions is her first novel. Welcome, Babuti. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on the new book. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. I was so just completely enthralled by our best intentions. It is a perfect pick for anyone looking for something that will really get your book club talking. So anyone listening, looking for those fall book club picks, I think would really want to um, pay attention to this one. The characters um, were just so complex and interesting and kept me guessing. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about kind of the story behind the story. So um, can you tell us a little bit more um, about the novel for people who haven't gotten to pick it up and the characters we meet in it and sort of the premise at the start of the story? Yeah, absolutely. So Our Best Intentions is um, part sort of crime thriller and part portrait of a family. Um, It's a novel about an Indian American family living in an affluent suburb of New York City, a single father and his daughter um, who are, you know, very much straddling the line of being middle class, but not quite comfortable. Um, They find themselves entangled in a criminal investigation. Uh, That investigation is around a boy being stabbed on the football field of the town's uh, public high school. And the novel really um, focuses on how the town makes sense of this traumatic event, um, how it's investigated by the police, and how in being pressured to take a side or, um, you know, have a certain point of view, uh, the father and daughter are also forced to confront their own consciences, their own belief system, what it means to stand up for right and wrong, and just navigate a number of thorny personal issues they haven't openly spoken about, including the abandonment by the wife slash mother, um, their you know, sort of the chasm and understanding between between the father and the daughter, 
um, navigating being Indian Americans in a very, um, in a town where they feel very much marginalized or not part of the mainstream. Um, so, so it's about a number of social issues. It's about family issues. And in, against the backdrop of this, there's this, this criminal investigation going on, um, to try to figure out who stabbed this boy, this high schooler, and, um, you know, what, what the repercussions will be. It's such a rich premise and storyline with so many different layers to go into. Um, and it just made me wonder kind of how the idea came to you and when it came, did you sort of have that aha feeling of like, Ooh, this is going to make for just a really compelling um, interesting read with lots of room to explore so many different topics. So the novel actually came to me when I was in an Uber ride and having a conversation with my Uber driver. And I suppose in homage to that inspiration, um, the character of the single father is actually an Uber driver. Um, I was very much actually itching for a novel idea. And I was looking around me for inspiration, whether that was things I read in the news, whether that was stories friends would tell me, or, you know, just observations I had. And I remember hearing about um, my Uber driver tell me about this, you know, this town in Westchester County, where there was a series of violent incidents between the students and how the town and the parents were reacting by basically blaming um, the in, an influx of um, less desirable families into their community. And I remember thinking how interesting it was that this driver, who is also of South Asian American descent, um, kind of adopting language that is used to sort of basically say, hey, there's too many minorities coming into this, this town that's supposed to have great public schools, and this is ruining the quality of our town. And it was really interesting to just hear the driver reflect on how a lot of parents were thinking about pulling their children out of the public school system and send them to private school. And I remember it just sparked a lot of ideas for me. It sparked ideas about, you know, this things that we normalize as a society, like the fact that if you live in a town with higher property taxes, you get access to a better public school. Um, and that's just something we, we normalize and we think about when we move houses or buy a house. Um, it raised questions for me about how Indian Americans or maybe more broadly Asian Americans have to navigate um, conversations about race and how we confront this idea of being sometimes being model minorities, sometimes feeling othered. Um, and it just got me thinking that wouldn't it be interesting if I wrote a novel that really explored some of these ideas and also um, brought them to life through the lens of an Indian American family. And did you know right away that you were going to do those multiple perspectives? I, I would imagine the idea for that would be exciting, but also a little bit daunting, kind of having to really get into all these different characters' heads and, and weave it all together? Um, that's that's such a great question. And it's so interesting because I'm working on my second book now and I'm, I'm not actually... Um, telling it from multiple perspectives, or at least not, not in this, not in this stage of drafting. But yet when I was writing our best intentions, it very much felt to me like this is a story that needs to be told from multiple perspectives in order to make sense. And I think, you know, part of the sort of communal aspect of the title is the fact that 
you see the same set of events through very different eyes and, um, you know, very different interpretations. And in doing so, you kind of empathize with people or with characters whom you might not have in the beginning. And you also see how at the end of the day, most people, even if their actions are wildly different, just want the same thing, which is a better life for themselves and a better life for their loved ones. Um, and so for me, this story almost had to be told in multiple perspectives. Otherwise, you just miss out on so much. So so it very much started off that way. Yeah, and it it's so interesting as a reader to, especially with the father-daughter relationship, to kind of see their misunderstandings or, you know, things that get interpreted differently when you're reading it from each of their perspectives. Um, I just thought that it was a really interesting way to read about their relationship and kind of along with that. So kind of at the beginning of the book, the, the father sort of randomly signs Angie, uh, the daughter up for Mm -hmm. swim lessons. And it's really sort of to solve a big childcare issue, which I think people can relate to. It's sort of like, okay, this could solve my after-school dilemma. Sure, swim lessons <laughs> multiple times a week. Um, but it becomes something that's such a passion for her and such a outlet, which I thought was interesting to, to read about as a parent, sort of like how these seemingly insignificant things could, you know, that you just expose your kid to wind up becoming such a lifeline and it's interesting you know Mm -hmm. what would that would that have been something different if that hadn't happened or I just sort of wondered about kind of how swimming came to you in terms of being a big part of the story and yeah just your thoughts on sort of um it being a little bit of a lifeline in a way um yeah that's a really interesting question so I think when I was sort of conceptualizing the character of Angie and trying to get in her head I really pictured a, you know, in many ways, very relatable teenage girl. She's self-conscious, doesn't quite, um, she hasn't quite got a firm idea in her head of who she wants to be, how she wants other people to perceive her and what her voice is. Um, And she almost undermines her own strength. And by showing her as someone who is a very gifted and focused swimmer, which is something that takes so much physical and mental strength, Um, It was almost a way of showing the reader that this is someone who, you know, yes, she's coming of age, maybe she's not who she's going to be as an adult, but this is someone who is very strong. Um, She's she's just a strong-willed character who, as a teenager, is just self-conscious and doubting and um, angsty and introverted because she's awkward, but um, really has the makings of someone with a, a really solid character foundation. And so that that was the significance of swimming for me. And it is interesting that you raise the point about, you know, her father sort of arbitrarily signing her up for multiple swimming lessons. And I think that also goes to sort of tell you a little bit about their relationship, which is even when they misunderstand each other because of maybe the cultural divide between a first generation immigrant and his child or generational divides that I think pretty much any parent and child can relate to. Um, she, there's a lot of love there and there's a lot of that they're seeking one another's approval in many ways. And I think as a young child, she probably wanted her dad to be proud of her. And so she probably thought 
he signed me up for swimming. This is probably something I should be good at because I want him to be proud of me. And that manifests itself into something that she actually really enjoyed and found solace in. Yeah, that's so interesting. And they're just reading their relationship through the whole book. I, I just really enjoyed and it was, it really is such a nice combination of, you know, revealing them and their relationship and kind of, as you're saying, sort of this portrait of a family with, you know, I'm staying up so late turning the pages because I really want to find out what's going on with this sort of like investigation and all the drama in the town. Um, and that kind of leads me to one of my other questions. I was looking at an interview you did, I think it was with Crime Reads, where you were saying it was kind of only after becoming an expat I'll just quote it. It was only after becoming an expat and approaching middle age that I was able to articulate an honest, at times nostalgic, at other times critical perspective on living in a, quote, progressive American suburbia and the agony of being an adolescent girl. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit, sort of like the stage you found yourself in when you started Mm -hmm. writing and how that impacted um, kind of the creation of this novel. Um, Yeah, that's... uh... When I was writing that, I was really thinking about how much easier it was for me to almost zoom in on what the Northeast American suburbs felt like when I moved overseas and would, you know, visit a couple times a year because things you take for granted, like observations about how different seasons feel or how places look or what people do when they need after school um, care for their kids, they just... um, they strike you as things you actually notice and observe, um, which I think is really helpful when you're trying to write a book because you really need to create a world that is, you know, very much on the page so your reader can can vividly be there and, and vividly immerse themselves in the setting. And for me, it was really, it was much easier to observe the things that you need to create a whole world when it was more natural for me to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is what, um, a town in New York or Connecticut looks like at this time of year um, because uh, I wasn't seeing that every day. So um, I hope I'm articulating this c- clearly, but yeah, it was almost like it, it forced me to be keenly observant, which I think is always helpful when you're trying to write a book. Um, and the same, I guess, is true of writing a teenage girl. I mean, I think until you, the writer, for me at least, until I felt really comfortable in my own skin, it's often hard to almost objectively see the sort of psychology of what it's like to be a teenager and not comfortable in your own skin. And so for me, it was much easier to write a teenage character reflecting on how I remembered my teenage years as an adult and how life changes and and therefore it doesn't feel like you know, that that awkward self-consciousness or that desire to fit in doesn't feel like it's baggage anymore. It just feels like, okay, um, that was something I went through and life gets better. Um, so, so for me, it was just easier to write discomfort more honestly, having both experienced it and knowing it just goes away. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense sort of having distance from the setting and distance from sort of the character um, and their life stage. I could see that being really helpful. Um, Well, you know, as you were going along writing, is this a book 
you know, many years and, and lots of draft and kind of drafts and a long road to publication? Or did it come more quickly? What was the process like? So I wrote the book primarily as almost like I really want to write a book. I just had this burning, anything a lot of people feel like that when they're working on their first book or, you know, their second book or, um, you know, their, their, their first published book. Um, I felt this like really intense desire to storytell. And I really just felt like this, this plot just needed, like when I heard when I had that conversation with the Uber driver, I just felt like this is the book. This is the plot. This is the story I need to tell. Um, and it very much came to life in my head. Um, I worked on it um, nights and weekends when I was working. And so, and I didn't really have a clear understanding of, you know, what a writing timeline should look like, how one gets published, what the editing process looks like. So I was really just doing this in my own time. Um, I probably, so I, I wrote the draft of the book that I ended up sending to my agent in about 18 months. And I remember thinking, wow, I've worked on this for so long and the rewriting process has been so hard. And I remember being surprised because of course your agent has additional edits and then your, you know, your publisher has edits. Um, but I remember thinking that was such an achievement that I was like ready to, to cold query agents. Um, and I think the whole process from sort of, first draft to, you know, when my um, editor acquired it and publication was probably about, I want to say like two and a half years to, to maybe three years. I think I started writing this in 2020. Um, or maybe it was 2019. Uh, the timelines even get fuzzy in my head now. <laughs> um, but, but for a lot of that time, it was, you know, doing things like working with um, my editor uh, at the publishing house on, you know, copy editing or just getting ready for publication. Um, so I think, yeah, the most surprising part of the process for me is actually writing that first draft, which I thought was, oh my gosh, nothing can be harder than this, was actually not the hardest part about it. I think the revision process was much harder and it took me much longer. What has the process been like or, or how have you found sort of bringing the book out into the world as a debut author? Um, it has been, it's been really, it's been really fun, but also really different than what I expected. Um, so I think when you're a debut author, you don't already have an established group of, you know, readers who love your work. Um, I, you know, hadn't really, um, been engaged in the literary world before. So I wasn't someone who was writing a lot of short stories and getting published. So I really was an unknown <laughs> to readers, um, apart and apart from, you know, my, my circle of family and friends, um, you know, people wouldn't necessarily have thought, okay, you know, uh, Viv wrote a book, I want to read it. So on one hand, I was starting with a blank slate. Um, and on the other hand, it was also just really fun because I got to experience doing book events and, um, you know, writing um, guest posts, like in crime reads for the first time. And um, so everything was new and everything was an adventure, but it was also a little daunting because you really have to create your identity as a writer from scratch. Um, I think my favorite part of the whole process of bringing the book into the world has been interacting with people with whom I had absolutely no connection with um, during <laughs> during book events because that was for me like validation that oh wow someone who is not you know 
friends with my parents or my college roommate <laughs> wants to read my book. <laughs> and that was really, really nice. Yeah. And I mean, it's been exciting. I know it's gotten a lot of um, attention and it was a uh, Good Morning America buzz pick. And um, I feel like, especially given the comparisons um, to books like Everything I Never Told You, it just got me thinking right away, like, oh, I would love to see this as a movie. And I wondered with some of the attention, has anybody approached about um, like film or TV rights? So I am very hopeful that we'll have some good news soon. Um, the strike in Hollywood oh, has right. definitely slowed a lot of things down. But right. um, yeah, I mean, I would I would love to see a feature film that was you know based on the novel. And um, maybe uh, at some point in the future, that's coming. Yeah, it just would lend itself so well. Um, it just feels like ripe for the taking, like, come on, Netflix or whoever, let's get this going. Well, you know, I wondered too, kind of as you have, you know, been bringing the book out into the world and um, kind of having to switch into promotion mode, has that um, kind of sort of taken over as the focus or have you been able to start work on another book? Uh, that's, that's such a good question. I actually like, I think about that a lot. Um, so I would say my first few months after publication were really focused on book promotion. And I think also trying to, because as I mentioned, I, I wasn't really in the literary world, but just get my name out there in more outlets by writing um, articles and, and, you know, or like short pieces that could be published. Um, and that was what a lot of my energy was going towards. Um, and then, um, it's only recently, I would say it's only been like the past few months that I've really been thinking, okay, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what I've done with publishing this book, but I feel like I want to make more progress on book number two. And it's definitely been, it's been different. Like my life has changed a lot since I wrote uh, the first book. I wrote a lot of the first, or I did a lot of the revisions for the first book um, during the pandemic where, you know, it was in many ways just easier to lock oneself up in a room and just write for hours and hours. <laughs> um, and now, you know, I've got a toddler. Um, I um, also switched jobs um, after I'd written the first draft. And so I just, I have a, a different other career um, that I'm trying to balance. And so for me, I think writing continues to be something that I do just because I love storytelling and I just try to tell myself I'm not going to put pressure on myself. I'm not going to put timelines or deadlines. I'm just going to do it when it feels natural. And I, I think that's been what makes me feel the best about writing. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, but I could imagine it being tough, you know, when you're just writing the first book and nobody really knows, you can kind of be on your own timeline. But when you have like a publisher mm -hmm. and an agent, I'm sure sort of being like, when is the next book coming? That probably gets a little bit more stressful. And especially when you're balancing a lot of other things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I want to, I, I don't want to disappoint people, including myself. Um, but I think um, one of the things I've also learned with the publication of Our Best Intentions is um, so actually, I remember signing with HarperCollins around the time that like about two weeks before my due date. And I remember the book came out um, right around the time, March of this year. So right around the time my daughter turned one. And I remember going on a book tour and just thinking, 
wow, like um, this is really, really fun, but oh my gosh, I feel so exhausted every day. Um, and and so one of the things I've been trying to just do is um, figure out how to balance doing what I really care about and not and not concern myself with the things that are not high priorities for me. Um, and that's mm-hmm. been a really hard process. <laughs> so um, writing definitely remains on that list. But um, yeah, I think when people ask me, when is your second book coming out? I just, I try not to let it feel like I need to sprint a marathon. Right. And yeah, I guess just taking it as like enthusiasm and not pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're all excited to read it, but then like not pressure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I would also just love to hear, um, you know, if there have been, as you're kind of writing your second book and promoting this book, have there been um, other books that you've really been enjoying lately that have drawn you in as a reader? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I read a lot. I mean, I try to read like almost a book a week. Um, I recently actually read, it's not even a recent book, but um, I recent I saw that um, Angie Kim was she was, she just had a new novel that came out called Happiness Falls that was a GMA uh, book club pick. And I actually had never read her first book. And I remember a number of people were um, telling me about, you know, if you like books that involve criminal dramas, you should read Miracle Creek. And so I finally read Miracle Creek and I absolutely loved it. Um, I read it recently and I think it came out in maybe 2019. Um, so that was a really great book that I enjoyed. I'm currently reading chain gang all-stars um and i also recently read um the sally rooney book from last year beautiful world where are you which i really enjoyed i, I just love sally rooney so um hadn't read her latest book uh so so not necessarily the newest books on the market but things that i really enjoy and i think now that i've written a book i read books really differently like i try to think about how the author does different transitions or how they choose to tell a story. And so sometimes I've like lately I've even found myself going back and reading books that I really liked and thinking about why did I like that book? What did the author do that was so good? Um, and it's been an interesting process. Yeah. It's interesting to kind of dissect them and think about what's working and um, especially mm-hmm. if it can, cause I find myself doing that too. And if it can, it, I think it's good if I can have, a little bit of a writer hat on and be like keeping an eye out, but also still get absorbed as a reader. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to ever get so um, caught up in like the nuts and bolts that I don't enjoy a story. So it's nice when you can kind of be doing both. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to link to all those. And I have, um, I have happiness falls on my, to be read list. I have like a uh, digital <laughs> yeah. arc for it that I keep feeling, Oh, I've got to get to that one soon. Cause I didn't read Miracle Creek yet either, but I, she's just an author that I, I've had on my list that I keep hearing such great things. Mm-hmm. I've got to, got to read one of those and add to the list. Well, I am just really hoping that listeners go pick up our best intentions. Um, I think it would just um, kind of keep you, up late into the night, turning the pages. It also has characters that, you know, months later, I still think about and they just felt 
so real to me and um, just have a place in my heart. And again, if anyone, it can be hard to pick a book club book. So if anyone is on the lookout, I think our best intentions would be great for that. And I'm sure it's kind of difficult with time changes and everything, but do you ever like Zoom with book clubs or anything if they, um, if they read the book? Yeah, absolutely. I've done a few of those and it's actually really fun. Um, I love hearing the questions and people's reactions. Um, I've been done a few in-person book club events because um, I go, I mean, I am stateside um, a few times a year. And what I find so interesting is um, at least on a few occasions, the conversation, you know, the book sparks the conversation, but then it ends up being about um, so many other things. Uh, like I did a really interesting book club event with um, the embassy community here in South Africa. And we just started talking about um, with some of the South African staff, how schools are, you know, how people, how parents choose what school to send their children to and about the racial um, or class biases people have in South Africa versus the U.S. And it was so interesting. It was just, it became something totally different than about the topic of the book. And I just really enjoy those conversations because I think that's the point of writing, to share ideas, to experience, um, you know, new uh, worlds through reading. Yeah. Oh, I think this book could lead to so many interesting conversations. So yeah, if anyone... um picks up soon for book club they should reach out and see if maybe it would work out to zoom well vib thank you so much for taking the time to come on best of luck with um writing book two we will be just excited when it whenever it comes out to read it <laughs> and i'm gonna you. cross my fingers about film rights and um just yes again congratulations on our best intentions and i hope people go pick it up thank you very much laura thanks for having me For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.